Chapter 13 of The Social War of 1900, or The Conspirators and Lovers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Social War of 1900, or The Conspirators and Lovers, by Simon Landis. Chapter 13. Lucinda Abducted and Imprisoned the house of general washington armington was besieged by visitors from the sainthood and although the faithful pat o'connor and judy mccrae were not suspected of either knowing anything of the troubles that were breeding or of being participants in the diabolical work of overthrowing the sacred temple of the elect yet truly they were in secret conclave with miss lucinda armington doing bold acts whilst the sincere and bloody conspirators were trying to inveigle the general into a plot to discard victor juno deacon rob stew said general are you not afraid that your beautiful daughter will get a bad name by associating with victor juno because my dear brother you must know that an immense odium is attached to that man i cannot see what he has ever done to cause such gossip about the brave young hero i certainly admire him very much and shall stand by him until i learn of acts by him that are unmanly exclaimed the general pat o'connor has such long ears that he was overhearing this little conversation and he at once said me lady that divil of a dakin is puttin mischief in your father's head but i'll stop him straight if ye want me to do it i do pat if you can do so in a judicious and effectual manner ejaculated miss armington bedad lave that to me and i'll rattle his mutton for the old hypocrite said pat pat now hurried to the library where the general and deacon were secretly conversing and impatiently knocked at the door whilst he almost simultaneously cried with a loud voice me honoured good master i was told by a gentleman on the street that you were violently callin and searchin for me here i bees at your service general armington told him to come in when pat rattled off a lot of irish that might have done homage to a king whilst he bowed profoundly to deacon rob stew and said may it plays your honour if i say to ye that the worthless people are assaultin the howly saints i mane your friends way down by jabob's plantation and the reverend joe peer and miss nancy clover told me to ax ye should i see ye to come home quickly for they belave a riot am a breakin out i'll hasten general if you'll excuse me exclaimed the deacon frightened lest victor juno was arousing the people to do great violence to the believers good master i have something to tell ye if i taught ye would not think me too bold said pat not at all pat go on and tell me replied the general recklessly with however more than ordinary anxiety well ye may not blave me but sure as life be in me the dakin what just lift is no friend of me mistress lucinda because i heard him spake to a stranger the other evening what was not true nor kind to spake of a nice lady like mistress lucinda said pat what was it pat demanded general armington and sure good master he said to the stranger 
well brother i have discovered that miss lucinda armington is a fast young lady because she visited victor juno in the dark night exclaimed pat angrily how does it come pat that he would make such a remark in your hearing he knows that you live with us and would not utter such words in your presence fearing you might tell us where was this indignantly ejaculated general armington who thought pat you are either lying or the deacon is a hypocrite good master blave me and he said that very ting but it was one dark night when i heerd many noises along the road as i was a-comin home from judy's father's said pat without hesitation surely pat i cannot understand this but i will see by and by what it means responded general armington pat now sought his judy and miss armington to tell them how he worked the deacon's mutton he said och be me howly moses but i worked the deacon's mutton i just made him blave that there's a fight down by jabob's plantation atween his howly saints and the worthless papal and mind ye he blaved every word of it and clared right straightway from your noble father when i told your good father what will cause him to look to the old curmudge excuse me i mane hypocrite jocularly said pat we must be very cautious not to expose our secret workings or our plans will prove futile and dear father might then be turned against victor juno sadly responded miss armington but have ye heard of the riot last sunday evening at the walnut street theatre the dirty old dakin i's sartin were at it every bit said pat oh yes i have learned from a friend who was there that these bloodthirsty conspirators had sent some detectives in citizens clothes as well as had sprinkled throughout the theatre some of their own disciples for the especial purpose of breaking the peace so that the mayor could find a legal cause to arrest mr juno but they were unable to cause the audience to be clamorous hence toward the close of his discourse several threw dirks from the galleries toward mr juno which missed him thank god but sank deep into the boards of the floor all around him and as soon as the people saw this outrage they made for the scoundrels who were seen throwing the knives the enemies of mr juno were too few to stand a battle therefore the apparent riot was soon calmed but the mayor and bloody conspirators were afraid of the people who were well pleased with mr juno's sermon otherwise he would have been arrested said miss armington it was now getting late in the evening and the general having retired to bed miss lucinda armington pat o'connor and judy mccrae were still talking over these exciting times because miss armington had now no trustworthy friends amongst all her many elite acquaintances in whom she dared to trust only her faithful servants were left her these humble but cunning irish lovers grew in miss armington's esteem to a wonderful degree of respectability and moral worth when she compared them to all her pious friends who were now determined to have her desert mr juno or they should desert her however death would be preferable to unfaithfulness to her betrothed husband at last the servants also retired to rest but miss lucinda remained in the dining-room alone meditating over what she should or could do to be of service to her beloved victor 
after sitting for an hour in a meditative mood she thoughtlessly opened a door that led to the fine garden and whilst thinking only of victor she found herself walking under the magnificent trees which were interwoven with shrubbery and oh horror suddenly she felt something thrown over her head which was the last she remembered that night End of chapter 13